I've been in situations where people be weeping before me and I'm thinking about something with work, feel nothing. And then there's been times where I'm so shaken and weeping and someone else is in the same position. It doesn't mean the spirit has changed. It just means where our mind's at at that moment. And when we draw near to the spirit, he draws near to us. Y'all may be seated. If it's your first time here, welcome to One Seed Church. It's so good to see everyone. Every week, your faces are what inspire the next week. Your love, your compliments, your, your support, your encouragement is what drives this move of God. This, this morning, we had a little bit of a hiccup. The building was locked. So we normally get in at 8.30. By 9.30, we're doing sound check. By 10, we're doing our volunteer get-together we call Unify. By 10.15, we're at our stations ready to go. By 10.30, here we are. But the building was locked. So I was banging on the door so many times that my hands started hurting because it's metal. And uh, no one was here. We got in at 9 o'clock. And we set up in record timing. I think it was... 19 minutes, Vincent had said. Let's give it a round for the setup team. 19 minutes, they went from, all this stuff comes off a trailer, and there's a lot of logistics in it with the children's and all those things, and in 19 minutes, when they, when they had to turn it up a notch, they turned it up. So thank you, Lord. Now that will be the weekly expectation. No more relaxing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, if you're new here, my name is Pastor Jeff Gwaltney. We've been here since January, and... Uh, our mission at One Seed Church is to extend the love and teachings of Jesus. It's that simple. Our vision is that you discover God's perfect plan, which is how we will extend the love and teachings. It takes a body. It takes all of us together. The synergy of us together, the output is greater than the individual parts by themselves. I can't do it alone. Nick can't do it alone. Vincent can't do it alone. Michelle can't do it alone. Savannah can't do it alone. But together, we can do it. So we are grateful to be here. With the weather, you know, the summer's coming to an end. We're, school's starting, but we, we go to the lake a lot. And we go down there, and when we go down to the lake, we get junk food, stuff we normally wouldn't eat at home. You know, we don't eat that way. But for some reason, we go to Deerberg's at the lake, and we rack up a $200 bill of, you know, Starburst and Skittles and potato chips and all this junk. And by day two, we're so sick of the junk food, then we're like, well, what are you going to do with all this leftover candy? And my youngest, Kaylee, or Kales, I call her, she just turned three. She looks one, but she, no, she looks one and a half now. She's looking a whole one and a half now because she's so tiny, but she's three, and she's a sneaky little thing, cute as a button, but sly as a dog sometimes, and we're down hanging out at the lake, and she's missing, and they're like, Where, where's Kaylee? You know, you just, she might walk out the door. She's got a little mission of her own, and I see her way off yonder in the corner of the room with a blanket over her head. This is a little sketchy. I go over there. Whew. She's, she's, she's hoarding on some candy, Caleb's candy, 
my son's candy, and she stole his candy, and she knew it was KK's candy, and so she had already retreated to hide to, to do the deed, knowing that she was going to be busted if she was visibly, obviously, eating the candy. So not only was she smart enough to hide, but she was extra smart to cover herself while doing her deed. Hey, that's my candy. Oh, Kaylee. I had a dollar for every time I had heard that at my house. We got four kids and two boys, two girls, and there's a lot of uh, uh, productive uh, arguing, non-productive arguing. Well, he said it first. He did it first. If you come early to church, you'll see me having to, like, fuss up my kids while we're setting up. Praise the Lord. Hey, don't you do that again. I'll put you in a corner. And praise the Lord. God bless you. It's a lot of that. But, hey, you got to keep it real, right? You see, it's funny that even as a little three-year-old, her instinct was to hide, separate, and cover her tracks. Why is it when you are a little kid and do something bad, you retreat and hide from your parents? Isn't it amazing that even at such an early age, when we sense conflict or shame, we retreat from those who love us the most? That's who we hide from. She didn't hide from the neighbors. She hid from her mommy and her daddy. Her brother, she hid from. Sometimes our separations in life may be self-created in that even in our subconscious, we are purposely separating ourselves from a situation rather than unifying with our loved ones and friends, ultimately bringing resolution no matter what the situation do you instigate your own separations and then wonder why you feel distant and anxious from those who love and care about you the most? You're separated and you feel anxious. Are you partly responsible for that separation? Are you partly contributing to prolonging the separation? If we go to Ephesians chapter 2, my passage today is verse 11 through 16. Paul is writing to the Ephesians church, who now, because of the blood of Christ and the new birth experience, has an opportunity to be one with the Jews. The Gentiles and the Jews were always separated. But the blood of Christ said, this blood is for all people of color, all people of, of nation, all people of race, all people of different sizes. There's no discriminating against this blood. It's for everyone. And the Jews didn't know that at first until Cornelius' house and the Gentiles started getting saved too. So now Paul is writing to the Ephesian church because even though they know this, they're still instinctually wanting to separate themselves from those of the circumcision, the Jews. If we go to verse 11, he says, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, he's talking about those new Christians, those new Ephesian Christians. Remember, you were once Gentiles, non-Jew, non-Christian. A Gentile is a non-Jew. And then Gentiles who are converted, they call them, you know, proselytes or disciples. But Gentile just means non-Jew. Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh of hands that at the time you were without Christ 
being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You were separated. You remember when you were separated, he's saying? But now, everybody say, but now. Now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's saying, hey, God conquered the separation. So what you doing over there? Get out of the corner, Kaylee. You're with us now. Why are you separating? We try to fix it. We try to fix it, but you're trying to separate again. Sound familiar? For he, Jesus himself, is our peace who has made both one. Gentile Jew are now one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity or hostility or distance that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two thus making peace everybody say peace blessed are the peacemakers for making peace and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross thereby putting to death the enmity the hostility in the distance the title of my message is Separation Anxiety. Separation Anxiety. Anybody ever had that feeling in your stomach, that knot in your stomach over something? Anxiety? I had a lot of anxiety growing up. Uh, it's really weird. It's weird because I, I do this. But I was terrified to speak in front of people, oddly enough. I sang my whole life in front of people, but if you took away the music, I was frozen. It's, it's weird. It's, it's, and I get this anxiety, and I would physically shake so badly, I, I felt like Moses with the stutter. I, 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 could, I couldn't get it out. I, I'd hyperventilate. And I wasn't scared, but my body would just not chill. It was freaking out. And it started in junior high. I played the cello. And it's like when I got old enough to worry about what someone thought of me, that's when the anxiety started. I played in the orchestra from the third grade on, but not until about eighth grade I started getting this anxiety. At the con you know, you do the concerts in front of everybody, I started getting nervous. I was getting anxiety. But today we're talking about a different kind of anxiety, a separation anxiety. It's not driven by what they think of me, it's driven by the fact that I'm separated from them. It brings anxiety. We were on a trip a couple years ago, and I don't know if it's that I'm getting older, but I'm starting to pay attention a little more that the, those things I have around me may not always be around me. And me and my wife were on a trip that we don't, we don't get to go on trips very often, but when we went on this trip, we were kind of far away, and the time zones were so, so different that my children were like going to bed at dinner time, and it was starting to mess with my head a little bit, and then it was just me and my wife, and then I started getting this like separation anxiety, and we're, here we are in this great place. It was a paradise of a place, and I'm, I'm just so anxious. I'm miserable because I feel like I'm losing my children, and it's only been like four days, and I'm having, because the time zone, you see, I was getting separation, anxiety. I, I, like, I want my mommy, like my kids, my kids want their daddy when they've been gone, or they've been around their Grammy too long, and then we come home to pick them up, and they don't want their mommy and daddy. They want to stay with Grammy, and they cry when we take them. They sold us out when we left them for too long. See, if you separate for too long, there can be permanent consequence. But the love of God desires not to separate, but to unify. The love of God unifies, bring pre brings peace and comforts 
unconditionally, without condition, always. Matthew, uh, Matthew 5, where is it? 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. That's one of my favorites, because no matter what the situation, if you are pushing for separation, you are not unifying. The will of God is not to separate, but to unify. Blessed are the peacemakers, not if they do this. Blessed anyway is the peacemaker, whether they're right or they're wrong. That's hard to do. Well, I'll make peace if they make peace. Well, that's not really making peace. It's easier to stare at the back of the doghouse. Oh, that's clear as, clear as mud. You guys know exactly what I mean when I say stare at the doghouse, the back of the doghouse. See, if you had a dog, we had Pepper. Is Michelle in here? She's not. We had a husky named Pepper. Pepper was a beautiful Siberian husky, got the blue eyes, black and white. She looked like salt and pepper. Something happened to this dog at an early age where she got tangled with our other husky, and she got all, all mangled like a few weeks old. And she was never quite right after that. And Pepper would do this thing where we had the dog houses. You know, if it's raining, they'd go in the dog house. But most dogs just sit there and they look out the rain. Catch a few drops. Not Pepper. She'd be facing the back of the dog house. You look in there. Pepper, you in there? You see this. What's wrong with that dog? Pepper, come on out. I mean, the most pitiful look you've ever seen a dog give. I'm thinking, what's wrong with you? need some, some, some Prozac? You need something. What's wrong with you? It's like, it's like she was victimized or something. She, she was depressed. She wouldn't come out of the doghouse, and she wouldn't even look at you. She'd cover herself like Kaylee. She wouldn't even look at you because she knew she was eating that candy. It's not even always from doing something wrong. It's just we tend to separate for whatever conceived notions we want to propagate the reason to separate, even if it's not even true. We'd rather just stare at the back of the doghouse, which is so much better. We choose to live in this state of isolation because it's easier. We feel divided, but we're choosing to stay divided. Am I creating tension that I can't escape because I actually won't allow it? I won't reconcile that division with that person, with that job, with that dog. I won't allow it. And I'll find a reason to justify why I must stay away, even if it's not true. Whatever I can do to convince me to stay away, like the Gentiles. At this point, they knew Christ had took away the division. They are one. By the blood of Jesus, we are all one. We all share the same blood. You know what I'm saying? It's the same blood that pumps through all our veins. And it's the same blood that redeems us to eternal life. But they still were going back to, well, let's just stay over here, those Jews. And the Jews were probably thinking the same. Well, we don't like you guys. I like you anyway. You stay over there. Ephesians, Ephesians, whatever your name is. Let's separate. Even though they both knew that that wasn't Christ-like, they still retreated to that instinct. I feel lonely, but I choose to stay away. I'll be the victim instead of being more than a conqueror. Christ doesn't want you to live 
in a victim state. Even when you are the victim, you're still more than a conqueror because Christ conquers all. Even when you've been treated misfairly, you are more than a conqueror. So he never wants you to live in a state of being the victim. Even when you truly are, God will make you more than a conqueror. So you don't need to live that way as the victim. Amen? But we'll find a reason to justify it with the scripture right in front of us. We'll still do it. It's a heart thing. We contradict the very thing we claim to want the most. Well, I want love, but I don't really give love. I isolate. I'm distant. I'm cold with that person. Why won't they mesh with me? Why can't I vibe with them? They won't include me in the conversations because you're 30 feet over here and they're all sitting over here. you got to walk over and say, hey, guys, what's going on? you got to force your way in. I can't tell you how many times I've been awkwardly uh, forced to break conversation because the people around me didn't talk. So I had to say, hey, guys, so what's going on? You know, I had to be the nerd and, and do it. And then, then everybody relaxed. But if nobody's willing to bridge the gap of separation, guess what happens? You stay separated. Nothing happens. <laughs> you ever ha- does this ever happen to anybody else? Maybe just me. You have company over, and they're, they're not, they don't like to talk about anything. So if you don't talk, they just sit there. And then you're going, wow, it's going to be a long dinner. No? No one else? Okay, just me. None of you guys, none of you guys, whoever's been to our house, none of you guys. I'm not talking about you guys. You guys are all great. Even the ones I've never met, you guys are great. I trap myself from growth because I'm not willing to unify. I choose to stay divided from whatever it is. I create scenarios to then support my feeling of being on the outside. Oh, well, they, they probably don't want me to, to come with them, and they probably don't want to see me when we're on this trip. You know, they're in town. I'm not going to reach out to them because if they cared, they'd reach out to me. And then they didn't reach out to me, so they're not very good friends. They don't, they don't care about me. See what I did there? I made up a reason why they should do it first. And then when they don't, I say, why didn't they do that? We keep an alibi to support our reason to stay separate, causing us to go in the same circle of wrong decisions. Some of us just don't feel worthy. Some of us don't feel worthy to go break into that conversation to be part of that group because we still don't value ourselves. We think we're not, we're not good enough to be with the Jews, so we're going to stay Gentiles. We forget that God said you are more than a conqueror and that his blood did con- conceive us to be one body. And we are forgetting what the word of God says, so that's a lack of faith. What ultimately happens is a lack of faith because we're saying we believe more of what's in our mind, which the devil likes to just run with that, than what God says. Do we believe what God says? Or do we believe more what we want to believe first? I'm not secure enough to be the center of attention. These are scenarios. Some of these may not apply to you. Some of them may. These are all reasons we choose to stay in the doghouse looking at the back. But some people, they can't exist if they're not the center of it. They can't be a side man. They got to be the cook in the kitchen. They got to be the loud one in the room. And if they can't be the loud one in the room, they're not appreciated. Guess what they do? They go to the next place. They find the next batch of friends. You don't got to be the loudest one in the room to be the most valued one in the room. Slow to speak, quick to listen, James says. There's more value in these than these sometimes. 
So why do I run, though? I know I got this thing going, staying and separating in the doghouse. Why do I, why do I do that? I mean, to quote the great Reverend Al Green, I'm, if I had my guitar, I'd pull it out. I'm so in love with you. Come on, you know the words. Whatever you want to do, it's all right with me. Come on, I know you know the words. It's okay to sing in church. Because you make me feel so brand new. Anybody? Come on. Come on. Don't make me feel stupid. And I want to spend my life with you. And to get to my point, you know why? Baby, let's. Come on, you know what? Let's stay together. Loving you weather. Weather. Times are good or bad, whether I hate you or not. You love me no matter what. It doesn't matter. I love you no matter what because I'm a peacemaker. Right? Times are good or bad, happy or sad, or you were a jerk to me. He doesn't sing that. It doesn't rhyme. But it still applies, let me tell you. So why do I do that? When obviously the Word of God prefers the song with Al Green, we could have sang that to the Ephesians church, but they still chose to stay separated, and they'd retreat from the Jews. Sometimes it's guilt. What do I mean? Sometimes we guilt ourselves. Sometimes it's in intentional, and sometimes it's not even anything to be guilty over, but we create a scenario where we, we carry this guilt. And when we go around that person or that place or that thing, it reminds us of whatever it is we're carrying. And they don't even know about it. They don't know about that you feel that way, but you're, you're carrying this heavy burden of guilt, and sometimes it's not even for anything that's true. It's, it's all made up in your mind. It's because you perceived off the fumes of gossip that they thought this or that about you or that they didn't care about you because they didn't reach out to you first, but you never reached out to them to be transparent. Ask them, say, hey, man, are we still friends? Do you love me? Well, I didn't do that. So now you, you have this guilt. I'm not good enough. I can't be around that person. I'm not worried, worthy. No, never did they say any of those things. We find a reason, and sometimes that's our reason to stay and run back to that doghouse. I wasn't a good parent, so now I can never be a good parent to my children. I know I was a bad parent. I know I deserve to not have them in my life because I was a lousy parent, but now they're grown, and I'm trying to make up, I'm trying to make up with my children, so I'm not going to just throw away the rest of my life. I'm going to ask them for forgiveness like God forgave me, and I pray that they will forgive me, and I'm going to give them the best I have now to offer. I'm not going to stay separated. I'm going to unify because the love of God unifies, brings peace and comfort without condition. Without condition, without condition, that's the part we don't like. Blessed are the peacemakers if, no, blessed are the peacemakers, period, without condition. Sometimes it's a fear of consequence because like Kaylee, she knows, well, if it's her mom, she's going to get a little, don't do that. Oh, that hurts her so bad. Spank her harder. Come on, woman. I don't, I don't really say it like that. Well, I did. I did. I did. You did. She didn't even, she laughed at you. That really hurt. She laughed at you. Okay? You spanked her and she laughed at you. Hypothetical, of course. That would never happen. But she knows when, when daddy means business, she'll get this thing. She'll, 
her legs will do this thing. <laughs> People are going to think I'm like an abusive spanker or something. No, no. If you endure in chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is the father chasteneth not? Or daughter? Or three-year-old stealing their sister's candy, brother's candy? But they'll run because of consequence. When I was a kid, about five, somehow I got a hold of like a railroad tie nail. Go figure. We lived in Bridgeton. There was no, we didn't have any railroad tires in the yards. But I thought it was a good idea to go find my dad's hammer and just nail that puppy right into my wall. No rhyme or reason, just cool factor. So I'm boom, boom. There's no, there's no logic running through my head. I mean, I can kind of relate to Taz, my younger son, at this moment because I'm thinking, okay, I get it. I was about five, and here I am ramming this nail into my wall without even thinking about it. See, we do stuff sometimes without even thinking about it. We're driving a nail right into the wall, and then we got a consequence to serve, and we go, how'd this happen to us? We're blinded by our own behavior. My mama always did my spanking. We weren't scared of my dad. We were scared of my Italian mother. Her voice alone could make you, make you cry, let alone the physical violence just was icing on the cake. <laughs> we had this... Uh, can we talk about paddles in church? Is that, is that not PC? We, we had paddles, yeah, spankings, you know. And we had, the, we had the paddle, it had the holes in it. It was for racquetball or something. And my brother got all the spankings, and one time he hid that thing and it never was found again. <laughs> so, so later in life, I don't know she switched to something else, but I don't know. Good memories. See, there's a consequence, whether we recognize we're dividing and creating a scenario for consequence, we're, we're doing it. So that's why it's important we go to the Word of God and say, what are we, how are we living? What are we doing? Are we dividing or unifying with those around us? Are we making peace? Are we making war? Are we dividing? Are we healing the separation? It's a habit. You can just always find a reason to justify not being good enough to be with them or be around them, and then you just want to hide. But the love of God unifies, brings peace and comforts without condition. Don't go by gossip, what they said, they said, they said. To know if they care about you, go to the source. Be transparent. Get rid of all the tail-bearing talk because it's poison to your walk. Sometimes it's not guilt. It's just sometimes people just irritate you and you don't want to be around them. But they're your... There's someone you have to be around. I'll just leave it there. There are people that can't go away in certain regards, but you just don't, you know, you don't vibe with them. The, the pheromones aren't clicking or whatever they, you know, those pheromones. Are, it's like dogs know. They got good pheromones. The dogs will either attack you or they'll, they'll want to be your best friend. They know your pheromones. See, see there's, there's certain members that you have to deal with in life, whether it's your job, whether it's your family, and you have to be a light even when you don't want to. And it doesn't mean you can never take a break. Let me, let me clarify that. You can take a break from those people, but it doesn't mean you can isolate and never be around those people because you are still to shine the light of God. And if they irritate you to the point of, I know they say those, those dumb things every time you talk to them, and I know they just make you go, oh, geez, do I really want to be a Christian right now? And all those things. But you got to say, yeah, because Christ never quit on me. I will not quit on them. I will unify. Sometimes it's spite. That'll make me run and hide. Well, they did it to me, and I'm not going to be nice to you until you're Nice to me. And you pay back for all the hurt you did. But you got to be first. Go first. You know, you can be physically present in proximity 
and totally separated in your hearts. We did a message on this months ago, the residual impact of an absent heart. I've got friends that are in other parts of the country, and we see each other. We're like best friends still. You never know anything changed. And then you got people like right down the street. You got people in your own family. Sometimes it's two spouses. Sometimes it's mother, daughter, father, son, mother, son, dad, daughter. It's real close, but there, there's such a separation. There's such enmity that you never know they were in walking distance from each other on a daily basis. It's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. It's not a physical thing. You got to fix your heart if you want your life to follow. You want to bridge separations? You got to do it with your heart. And when your heart makes a decision, your faith will declare that decision through action. It's a heart thing. Some of us hide. I used to be this way. If they see enough of me, I won't appear important anymore. When I lived in Nashville, it was a really funny thing. I'd come home to visit, and he'd be like, Jeffy's home, he's come to visit, let's stock up the pantry and get all the good food, because Jeffy's home, yeah, he's going to eat the food, he's going to stay with mom and dad, and everybody's so excited, and hey, Jeff, want to hang out? Blah, 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 and like a two-day period. And then I moved home, and then it's like, never heard from him again. See, see, if you, you can stay distant, you can stay special. But that's, that was a weakness, see? That's a weakness of ourself. If we got to keep feeling validation, we need a validation from ourselves, and that's through God. We don't need validation from other people, because that'll never last. So some of us like to stay, stay distant so that we can always stay new and shiny. But when we come home and we're just around them all the time, now we have to support the relationship even with anything to brag about. Nothing special except just ourselves. Well, that's not good enough. It was better when they thought I was special. They only saw me from a distance. If they see me up close, they're never going to unify this relationship and make it grow stronger. And that's, a, that's an insecurity of our own mind. That's what prohibits us from really growing in anything. Sometimes you just got to come home anyway. In my case, I came home. I had to come home. See, a lot of us in this room, either ourselves or we know others that are at distance right now with family and more importantly, with Jesus. We've met the Lord. Yeah, I've prayed before. But I haven't been in a relationship with my God in, in quite some time. Or never. Maybe never. Or I am in a relationship with my Lord, but I won't speak to this family member. They work hand in hand. When we do it to them, we're doing it to him. And what he has given us, we are to give away. It's a circle. It's a circle. He wants you to come home. See, when God created man, we were separated from the love of God by sin. When the garden happened, when the fruit happened, and it put distance between us and God through sin. And then when Jesus came, he said, I got a solution. No one's going to do it right. So finally, I'm going to come myself in the form of a human being and be born of a virgin. And I'm going to be the sacrificial lamb to make atonement and reunify that division that you created to begin with. But I love you so much that I'm going to do it anyways because blessed are the peacemakers. I'm going to come give my life for you anyway, even though I didn't cause you to sin. You sinned on me. But blessed are the peacemakers. So I'm going to come. I'm going to ruffle up this world. And I'm going to die for 
your sin and bring back a way to unify you with me, says the Lord. He wants you to come home. You can't go home if you never reach out to him. He's dying for you to reach out to him. We were meant to be together with God, not separated. We were meant to be together with our family, not separated. You miss your mommy and daddy when you're a kid? You're supposed to. It's because they're your family. They love you. You were meant to be together with your family, those who love you. You were meant to be together, not separated. That's why you're getting the separation anxiety. The love of God unifies and brings peace and comforts without condition. Don't take for granted having those people in your life right now because tomorrow's not guaranteed. Appreciate them. See, I'm kind of a workaholic. My name's, hi, my name's Pastor Jeff. And I'm a workaholic. Isn't that what they do in the AA? I'm a workaholic. The first step to recovery is admitting the problem. And I can't tell you all the times my kids are like, Dad, when are you going to be done so we can do this? Well, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. I promise. I promise. I promise. And I love my dad, but I remember my dad was kind of the same way. And I'm thinking, hmm, did I get that from him? I'd never be that way. And I'm seeing it. It's in the, it's in the genes. And I'm putting my kids off. There's always tomorrow until they're grown. And I'm seeing them change. And, you know, we got paramedics and firefighters. And I'll tell you one of the most scary moments I've had since I had children is a couple years ago, my son Caleb, he has really bad, like, asthma. And he would get uh, croup. And all little babies tend to get croup, and you got to go to the ER, you know, and they put the nebulizer on them, and then they give him the injection, and then the grape drink and everything, and everybody's happy, and you go get some French fries from McDonald's at midnight, and kids are good. Well, Caleb got croup so often that we bought our own nebulizer for home. We were tired of paying that ER bill, and we just wanted to do it ourselves at home. So we, we just, he got to become a pro, man. We pumped that nebulizer on him. He's no big deal. He plays tablet. But one time, we didn't pay attention to this croup brewing. And what happens is that it, like, swells your lungs, and it closes off your, your breathing channels. And one night, they sleep over on Friday nights and Saturdays usually. Every Friday and Saturday, they sleep in mommy and daddy's room. And one night, he's, he's coughing, and I heard him say, Daddy, I can't, I can't breathe. I heard him gasp to say, I can't breathe. And let me tell you, the feeling that went through me in that moment was the most chilling feeling I've ever had. And I, I, I thank God that I become really like focused in moments of panic, probably because I'm kind of used to dealing with things on the spot. And when my child says, I can't, I can't breathe, I become like Zen. All I'm like on them thinking, okay, how do we do this the fastest? We end up calling 911. Thank God they came and they gave him the, the thing to reduce the, the breathing because his, his oxygen was so low. Because what had happened is his lungs had swelled while he was sleeping. And because he was on his back, he was slowly he was choking to death. You see those lights pull up, man. Whoo! More power to you. I couldn't handle it. I saw those lights pull up, and man, I just became the most weakest individual on the planet, and I became so thankful for the people who have to do that every single day because I just was weak. 
and it reminded me that they may not be here tomorrow. In an instant, they could be gone. So there's no time for separation. And there's people you've tried to reconcile with, and they're not having it. And you know what? That's on them. When you've tried your best to make peace and they're still not having it, let them go. It's okay, but keep praying for them, keep loving on them, and you move on, and you keep being a light to the world. But with your children and everybody else that you can make peace with, you keep trying, and you keep praying, and God will reconcile because there's just not enough days in life to let the separation go on if you can stop it. Salvation is our way to come back home with our Lord. Some of us have been separate for so long. We're not really getting it. We're not getting that we're playing with life and death here. That this church thing is cool. Yeah, we got the lights and we're going to get some killer subwoofers. I got two 18-inch woofers going in here. And then we got we got the 18-inch the 18-inch mains coming in here. And I got the in-ear systems coming. And I got the electric guitar coming. I got the bass and the drums. And you don't know all about that yet, but I got it coming. But when it gets down to all of that, none of it matters until you know how to conquer death through the eternal blood of Jesus. And if you don't take the gift that God has offered through salvation, you're still destined for a, a dead-end path, even though you got a great experience at church. Does that make sense? It matters. That will push you to change your life when this goes, it matters. It doesn't matter that they did that to me. It doesn't matter that they said I was a bad mom. It doesn't matter that they didn't like my brownies. My grandmother said she didn't like, we didn't like our brownies and she quit speaking to us when I was 17 years old. My grandparents quit speaking to us when I was 17 years old because she thought we didn't like her brownies, which we loved anyway. I mean, how crazy is that? And we never saw them again and they died because of some brownies. How stupid is that? Never saw them again. Guess what? In my 20s, I reached out. And I said, hey, Grandpa, it's your, it's your grandson. He didn't even remember who I was. He goes, oh, the baby? I said, yeah, the baby. I said, why don't you come? Let's get together. No, they don't treat me good. That's what he said. He said, no. A 90-year-old man saying, no, I won't go see you. No. That's messed up, man. He didn't have the word in his heart. And I, I hurt because I don't know, I don't know, I don't know what God does. I mean, I know what the word says, but I'm not the judge. But he didn't have the word in his heart, and he didn't have this in his heart, and he hated on people most his life. And it damages people. So don't let that valuable time go by. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Sons and daughters. It's a two-way street. We tend to hide from God like we retreat from family. And even when your family or your grandpa won't forgive you, Jesus will. That's the good news, is that no matter what you've done, when you come to the Lord, he will always take you back in, no matter what. Come on, somebody. If you know it's true and you believe it, let me hear you. Come on, let me know that you believe this word is true as it comes from the eternal word of God out of this Bible that are spirit and they are life and they matter. My words are spirit, and they shall never die. He knows all the words we said, like the hairs on our head. He will, we will give an account, on and on and on. It's forever. It matters. This, what you see, is temporary, but his word is forever. If y'all could stand to your feet with me as we close. I get a good calorie burn preaching sometimes. It's great. It's a great workout. My jaw, I get a good jaw workout. 
And I go home, and I'm like face down on the floor. Daddy, are you okay? Yeah, I'm just recovering. <laughs> the love of God always unifies, bring pre- brings peace and comforts without condition. And some of you have been hiding for too long from the Lord. Some of you have been hiding for too long. Stop it. Come home. Your family misses you. They love you. Come home. Jesus loves you. Come home. He wants you to come to him and give him your life. Join the body and be one with Christ. Quit running. There's an opportunity today. And preachers always say, today, like it's the last day of the sale for eternity. No, it's not the last day for the sale, but you don't know what tomorrow brings. So when people say, hey, I want to be baptized, I say, let's do it. Let's not put it off for six months. Hey, I want to learn about salvation. Okay, let's, let's do it. Let's get together. Let me teach you because I don't know if they'll be here tomorrow. And I want, to, I want to know that I gave my best to shepherd these people. So we don't like to put it off. But today is not guaranteed for tomorrow. So take the opportunity while you can and come home. What does that mean? Well, if you've never repented before, that means you're going to turn from your sin and you're going to turn to God and you're going to ask God to forgive you for all you've done, even though maybe you've done that before. And Paul says, I die daily. So you can repent again if you have to. Go ahead. I repent all the time for things that I've messed up on. If you've not been baptized, it's a public profession of your faith in Christ, and it's also a spiritual burial, and it's essential to the plan of salvation. Jesus told Nicodemus, unless you've been born of water, you cannot enter the kingdom. And he says, also, unless you've been not born of the, the fire or the spirit, you cannot be resurrected to new life. That's the infilling of God's spirit. That is the Holy Ghost. That is what Peter was talking about the last couple messages. It's all real, and it all matters, and that is the new birth. And some of you are still waiting to be born again, and you need to Get it while you can get it because tomorrow is not guaranteed. And some of you have been born again. And some of you know Jesus. And some of you have been living a life for Jesus, but you become distant and separate like the Ephesians. And you need to come home because like Paul said, we are all one body. Come home. We all share the same blood. If you could bow your heads with me. As we worship after this prayer, if you want to Stay in worship. You're never forced to leave. You're welcome to, to pray, to worship, to, to, to do what you want to do that's comfortable. You can come down here. We don't do altar calls all the time. But if you want to come to this altar, you can. If you want to pray in your seat, you can. It's uncomfortable because it's not too many of us. But someday we're going to fill this place, and there's going to be people pouring out at the altar, and you'll feel more comfortable. I get it. I was that way. I was 25 before I even lifted my hand, and I knew Jesus a lot longer than that. But it takes time, so we understand that. So we're not trying to push you to do something you're not comfortable to do. I'm just trying to tell you that tomorrow is not guaranteed. So God wants you to unify today with your family. Lord, we come to you. On this 12th day of August 2018, the year is going fast. If I could slow down time, I would, but I can't, Lord. So I am learning and learning that it's valuable, that we can't put a price on time because it is priceless. We have a freedom now that we don't want to stay separate. We don't want to be separated later and be looking back and go, why, why weren't we with the group or the families? Because we never stepped into the family. Come home. Touch our hearts, Jesus. Help us realize the depth of what we're talking about here, that it's more than just showing lights. It's life or death. 
And we are so thankful that you loved us so much that you would shed your blood for all mankind, for all the sin, for all the horrible things the world has done, that you would take on the weight of the world and give us your burden, which is light, and your yoke, which is easy. And we are thankful, Jesus, that you have offered this to us. We are grateful because we know we don't deserve it. And you loved us anyway. Touch us as we go through our week. Touch our bodies. Let us feel your anointing, Lord. Help us recognize your spirit, that you're there, that these are more than words, that these are life-changing, eternal seeds of you, Lord. And if everybody could say in Jesus' name, amen.